Welcome back to a brand new episode of Full Metal RPG. I'm your host, Brendan Carrion. Today I am joined by Adam Motherfucking Sink. What up, Adam? Oh, nothing much. It's well, Monday. I don't know. Whatever. It's Sunday. I've lost all track of time. Thanks, pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And we got the notorious RBK. What up, playa? Uh, a little two-hearted ale for my Midwestern homies. So, you know, oh my god, still, still. Still able to drink, lucky motherfucker. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still off the booze for another few days. I'm still off the booze for another few days, and because it's episode 97, we're having on one of my oldest and dearest friends because we graduated high school together in 1997. It's Ben Heiligman. What up, Ben Heiligman? Woo woo! Class of 97. <laughs> nice. Bitches, are you down with the clown, Ben Heiligman? Is, is that what you thing? Did you uh, join I'm, I'm the down, Dark Carnival? I'm I'm down for anything, really. Oh, you know Surprising what, you know, dude? Fucking truer words have never been spoken. This this Ben Heiligman, this guy is down for this guy is down for whatever, man. Anyway, uh, yeah, really stoked to have Ben on the show today. Uh, he and I went to high school together, and he's the one that got me into role playing. I mean, I had some books, and I've been kind of tangentially involved in it, but he's the one who came up to me and was like, hey, uh, we got this uh, D&D game. It's on Friday nights after school. Do you think that you'd want to play? And the rest is history. So, uh, uh, Bahailig, uh, why, don't you, uh, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, just so, that, just so they get to know you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I've been playing uh, Dungeons & Dragons uh, since at least 1997 uh, going forward. <laughs> and uh, other games, yeah. White Wolf, World of Darkness, uh, you know, uh, dabbled in mage the ascension a little bit uh countless other little one-shot games that i don't even remember what they're called uh and uh lately been doing a lot of the uh dungeon crawl classics that's like been my main my main jam you know as of late that's and, uh, that's so awesome yeah i love it uh, in uh just you know being creative and you know i used to like to just you know kill things i was like a, i would be like a murder hobo type or rolled with the murder hobo crew but you know, now I now I push myself. You know, because I've matured. Yeah, like you say that. You say that. I I remember uh, you playing in my vampire games, and you always being a superlative role player. Always. I remember back in the '90s, you being a superlative role player. So you ain't fooling me, Ben Heiligman. I know what's up. Um. All right, guys. So, uh, yeah, it's episode 97 today. We're talking about um like some GMing prep from GMs who are sometimes maybe prepped if you're very very lucky. Um. And uh, this episode is going out to a brand new patron on our Patreon account. Uh, Ava Kinden was uh, very generous to pledge to us. Uh, she's a fan of ours from the UK, and she's been with us for a very long time and has uh, supported the show and supported uh, just all the different FMRPG shit that we do. So, uh, Ava, it's so great to have you on at last as a uh, patron. Uh, thank you so much for all of your help. Uh, and it is due to uh, Ava and people like her that we're able to keep putting on the show. So if you're into like uh, FMRPG and all the stuff that we're doing, and you'd like it to like sound better or be better, um, maybe you know be a patron or something, and uh, we can I could go to a con or something when there's a con again. Um, in the meantime, we're also uh, uh, sponsored by Exalted Funeral. What up, Exalted Funeral? 
um, fucking exalted funeral has a new Kickstarter coming out because they are doing more, um, old school essentials shit, right guys. It's like, uh, advanced old school essentials or something. Uh, I'm, I'm stoked AF because I missed out on all the like, um, slip case editions and the little folio editions and all that shit. So, uh, uh, August 12th is when that Kickstarter launches. Uh, so when you are listening to this episode, you'll be able to go right over to Kickstarter and get in on some old school essentials, which as an OSR guy myself, um, I am going to recommend, even though I don't have it, I will probably be backing that. Um, cool. Uh, did any time skip anything guys? Did I forget anything? No, I don't think so. Ah, right on. All right. Well, so, uh, we'll go right then into some of the, the tender, tender, grisly meat of the episode and we'll get into the black hole. The black hole is the uh, ever-sucking void into which all of our time, attention, and money escape. It is role-playing. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I thought I'd lead this one off because I, I rarely lead off the black hole. And uh, I, I, have, I have recently started reading my Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition book. All right? I know. This is so weird. Um, I think I was inspired by Adam's Vampire the Dark Ages game. Like, it's just hearing about Vampire, it was just kind of like, I was like, you know what? I just kind of want to sit down with that book and crack it open and see what's in it. And guys, do you want to know what I have found? Yes, absolutely. Sure. All right. Because I don't own it, so. V- Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition is a truly weird game, first of all. And I think that we have a big deep dive coming up on it. We do. So I won't sit here and blow my load and just do the whole thing. But what I will say is I remember flipping through it in 2018 when it first came out. And I was like, well, I guess I should get it to get it because that's what I do. I buy vampire books. And I tried reading the first couple chapters and I thought to myself, ah, I can't connect with this game. It seems kind of science fiction to me. Science fiction-y to me. It doesn't make any sense. Like, why did they have to make up all this stuff to be happening in it? The old game was just based on what was going on in the world. And in the two intervening years since that book came out, Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition has somehow managed to become the most prescient role-playing game since Cyberpunk 2020. It's insane. It's about society is crumbling all around you. You can't trust institutions anymore. You don't really know, like, like, like society is fragmenting, so you don't know who you can trust around you. Oh, and then, by the way, there's also, like, a totalitarian surveillance state police that are hunting you through the streets. And I'm just, and, 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 the, and the sense of isolation that you have as you're reading the book, the sense of, like, futility that, like, everything is just turning to shit and it's just slipping through your fingers but you still have to keep making choices. I'm just like, somehow Vampire managed to become timely again. I'm like, what the fuck? There's no way that Erickson and those guys could have known about COVID, you know what I'm saying? Or about Portland. But fucking Vampire the Masquerade feels timely. It's crazy. Do do any of you guys have it? I don't, but um, maybe they've been like pulling strings behind the scenes, making it all happen. Like the elders they are. No, no, I (laughs) I have the base book, and uh, I think it's, I mean, I flipped through it and I didn't read it, but it looks cool. So I'll I'll have to, I'll be digging into it because we got a deep dive coming. Yeah, we got our deep dive in like, what, November, December? We're doing like like a full, yeah. 
Yeah, something like that. So you'll be able to hear my full thoughts. I may backpedal on it and be like, yeah, I was chuffed on it for a minute, but now I don't give a fuck because I definitely feel like it's not a perfect game and there's, I've got a bunch of critiques for it anyway, but that's my black hole. So, uh, uh, Heiligman, man, uh, you're the guest. What do you think, dude? What, what, what have you been uh, fiending on lately? Well, I'd just like to say with the, with the Vampire 5th uh, Edition, when you were describing the, the nice little overview, uh, I kind of forgot that you were actually talking about a game, dude. Just, just have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's what's so crazy about it. The, 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 the feeling of the game is so timely. Like, if you wanted to explore these topics in a role-playing game, like, the base game supports exactly what's going on right now. Where you're just like, oh, the Camarilla is, like, disinterested, and they are aloof, and they're out of touch with the world. They don't care about my interests. And then the Anarchs are kind of like, I don't know if I trust them either. Like, they seem to want to push everything to the side, but I'm not really necessarily certain that I that I believe in what they want to replace it with. And then in the meantime, like literally I live in a panopticon that is recording me constantly. And if I make one false move, I'm going to be descended on with drones. It's, I mean, there's some, there's really something there. There's something there aside from a bunch of the other BS that's in the game. There's something there, you know, S- sounds like I need to get the book so I can uh, prepare myself for the, for the coming years. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, I, you know, I mean, I, I think, I think it's an interesting read. I, I, I recommend people, like read it, I guess, to to formulate a thought on it. But what have you been? What what are, what's your uh what, what's what's your role playing game of choice right now? Or what's what's occupying your mental space? Uh, primarily, it's just been uh, dungeon crawl classics. Um, I've had recently. I've had some some you know real life events that have been um, kind of upsetting to the to the family, and so uh, I kind of I have to admit that just prior to this episode, the last couple of weeks have been kind of you know, on hiatus from uh, indulging in like fun activities and, and and things of that, taking care of serious business. But uh, DCC is still my jam uh, and, and I enjoy it. But I unfortunately, I don't have anything like recent to contribute for, you know, black hole shenanigans. Aside from like I've wa- been watching like science fiction and like alternate realities type type programs because I want to I'm an escapist. I want to get out of here. <laughs> do, do you have one of those modules like the dcc modules that you really like that you could talk about maybe or do you are you just like a hardcore like i make my own shit fuck you oh i, I don't make anything like uh just and i think we'll probably be diving into that later in the episode as far as uh me being at the hit reveal i'm the, the new jack you know storyteller so uh multiple years of playing but not uh actually running so okay. uh, i use i use the various modules and uh, then I, you know, I kind of tailor it to as I see fit. Yeah, I really want to run that chained coffin campaign someday. That would be amazing. So, have you seen that one high leg? The one with the, I have it's not. Like, it's like a box set, and it's got like it's all it's like it's kind of like Ravenloft looking kind of. Yeah, it's like Ravenloft in the Appalachian Mountains. Like, <laughs> looks it looks sweet. I'm looking at the cover of it right now. It looks look looks pretty sick. Yeah. I want to play that someday. <laughs> so one of you two fuckers run it. Right, right. Uh, how, how about how about you, uh, RBK? You, uh, uh, what do you got going on? Well, you know, it's it's been an interesting uh, couple of weeks. Uh, I have uh, my character because you 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 gave me shit for last time for bearing this. So my character that I 
thought was dead may be coming back to life. We'll get that there may be time travel in Cthulhu universe. Anyway, that I, I we haven't worked it all yet out yet, but pyramids being anyway, never mind. That's spoilers. So uh, uh, aliens, the, uh, aliens, aliens. Clearly, Cthulhu aliens. Um, and then I randomly attended Gen Con. Oh, you did the online Gen Con thing. So I, I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't sign up for anything. I just like my buddy Nolan. Shout out to Nolan. I was like, hey, does anybody? And this was like, I think it was like late on a Saturday night. He's like, anybody want to play like a, a you know a pickup game? I'm like, cool. What 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 is it? It's like, I don't know. It's 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 a fake game, Fed Accelerated. I'm like, all right, I'll I. I'm up and, you know, willing to give this a shot. So we played, and this is some fucking weird shit. We played, uh, we were, we were, our characters were ravens from the Tower of London. And not anthropomorphic ravens, like fucking ravens. Right, right, you're birds. We're birds. And we, you know, the Tower, the ravens from the Tower of London is like mythically like there, as long as there's a raven at the Tower of London, love. Uh, Britain will never fall kind of thing. That's, that's the whole like mythology. So basically we were, um, it was the, it was world war two and we were being sent to, uh, Dunkirk to try and get soldiers out of Dunkirk. So our, our, like the head of the flock is like, you three are to be sent to Dunkirk to try and like help guide soldiers back to England. So we fought like Nazi Eagles over the over the channel and uh uh like tried to like you know uh guide boats into the docks it was fucking weird and kind of awesome so was that something that your friend had planned or was it just kind of like they were shooting from the hip no no this was somebody this was somebody else was gming and he was he had hooked up he was hooked up with them on the on the gen con discord server and he's like, hey, does anybody, because we have a, a Slack, anybody here, you know, up and interested in this game? Because it was, and I was like, well, yeah. I mean, so we had like, um, uh, we had, a, a, you know, a couple false starts with some people and finally got enough people to play this game. And it was, uh, it was pretty rad. I, I think it was probably my, well, it's not the oddest game I've ever played at Gen Con, but um, pretty close. So <laughs> cool. Cool. I, so, you know, I mean, so there was a Gen Con this year and that's and you got to go. You're, you know, keeping the streak alive sort of, huh? Yeah, sort of. Uh Nice. That was that was that was pretty much uh the weirdest thing. I mean, we we played uh I played in uh Adam's uh Dark Ages game and shit got real and Uh-oh. Well, not real real, but like we totally got the table turned on us with little effort from Adam. So, oh, Adam, which is how I love it. I prefer to put as minimal amount of effort in as possible. <laughs> so, tell us more, Adam. What's going on there? Um, yeah, we had a, another session where they went and they were trying to wheel and deal, and then one of the other people that they were attempting to negotiate kind of wheeled and dealed behind their backs and they were just kind of they just let it happen i was like yeah yeah that that vampire left they disappeared and they were kind of like all right cool and i said well what are you gonna do oh I'll just wait for them to come back and <laughs> so they did and then they came back and they had flipped the script as it were so oh no oh no so how many sessions of that game have you guys played now like uh at least six huh 
Yeah, I think six. Uh, I'd have to have my uh, I have my notebook right here. I think it's like four. I don't think it's oh, even really? that many. Yeah, it's we're pretty early on still. Oh wow! How, so, how yeah. would you say the adventure is coming along, Adam? No, we're, uh, we're session six, imagine. dude. <laughs> oh, are we session six? Yeah. All right, cool. Um, we are. Uh, we're still in content that I'm doing that I'm kind of calling like the introductory tutorial kind of content. We haven't really even gotten into the the real meat of the thing yet, so we'll get there eventually. Real shit coming soon, huh? That's right. Well, yeah, we've kind of already started the real shit, so we'll see yeah. how that goes. <laughs> Realer <laughs> shit, more real <laughs> shit. Is, is that what you wanted your uh, um, your black hole to be, or did you uh, have another another thing you want to touch on? No, that was really about it as far as role playing goes. As Vampire of the Dark Ages, I haven't been too invested in anything else right now so it's been trying to get that game going and firing how i want it to go and it's 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 going about how i want it to so well shit man that i feel like this is like a good uh meeting of the minds here we got like a you know a good group of people to talk about uh gming and kind of like what goes into it and you know we all i think kind of uh not me obviously but a number of us kind of alluded to uh what goes into our story prep um, so that's that we'll get right into the meat of the episode, which is, uh, you know, GM prep and should you do it? And if you're doing it, like how much should you do? But, um, the, before we get started directly on that, I just want to just talk to Ben for a second and say, so, all right, I role played with you for like 20 years or some shit, long time on and off, but we've never stopped knowing each other. And we, I don't think either one of us ever really stopped gaming for more, longer than a couple of years. And in that time, you were like the perennial player. Like, I, I remember one time in high school, you wanted to run a game and you were just like so frustrated with it. Um, and then very recently, it seems, you've uh, kind of turned over a leaf and got behind the screen and started telling stories for your friends. So uh, how did that um change occur like what changed to make you want to change and uh like what what have you experienced and how's it been like uh what are your insights yeah absolutely uh you know i i am typically sought out you know i'm a i'm a desired commodity you know to to play in a game (laughs) and so and i and i it it is it's 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 the it's the role players privilege we'll call it that and so you know i have uh laid back on those laurels for for quite some time and it, it took basically this pandemic and and then basically be, becoming unemployed you know uh, i'm like oh I, I got suddenly i have this like abundance of time on my hands and i can't really make any more excuses as to you know uh not not run a game so before, i mean have you tried though no no i basically making I, like weird excuses well oh I mean, just the mundane, you know, pre pre COVID, you know, just like, oh, I'm working full time and like, you know, right. go, you know, that, that kind of stuff. But as, but once once I got unemployed, you know, I didn't I didn't make any ridiculous excuses, but, uh, I, oh, you know, you it was more just, I, I should have tried. <laughs> I mean, of, of course, I have like, you know, self-doubt before doing I got a little bit of the jitters, you know, before uh, before getting the people gathered together for the first session, because I really didn't know what I was doing. I had an idea. Uh, but I was just like, well, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You know, I just had to, you know, world's not going to end unless I do the classic rocks fall, you die, <laughs> which I haven't done yet. So I think it's going all right. And what made you decide to do uh, DDC? And you, you kind of have 
an interesting sort of like almost like OSR kind of take because you while you and I have always known each other we like we don't really role play together as much as I would like anyway and uh, we both have like kind of like other groups and you kind of fell in with this like sort of OSR oriented group am I right just sort of uh, spontaneously right yeah it was, uh, when I was living in Flagstaff I I met some people uh, just through a meetup and it worked out and uh, moved back to Phoenix and I'm still in touch with the Flagstaff people and. Uh, just steadily playing uh, in, in games with them, sometimes once a month or twice a month, just kind of depends. Uh, but yeah, I really like the OSR style because... Are these the guys who are doing the play-by-post stuff? Yeah, same same guys, Adam. Okay, I, all right, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember, I remember too. <laughs> so, but yeah, just um, the OSR worlds, uh, I, I enjoy it because you feel like your character is... is sort of small to you know relatively speak you know it's the opposite a lot of people you know are attracted to to role-playing games so that they can become that like super badass or you know whether that's combat or like elitist or whatever it is that you're you know just getting the power but i think with like osr you're more just you're just interacting and you're you're almost like kind of just swept up into the ride you know with it and and i enjoyed i enjoy that type of style and and there's there's so many like mysteries and and like the the way that consequences can work in the osr settings uh that i think you know that keep players on their toes yeah dungeon dungeon crawl classics does not care about your feelings or (laughs) or your goals or your hopes or your dreams or really anything no I feel like your pitch for Dungeon Crawl Classics sounds like James Ragey would be like super sad that like you're not talking about LOTFP. He'd have like a he'd he'd have like a he'd be like you're quoting Ben Shapiro and it's not about my game and he'd have like a little tear coming out of his eye. Yeah, but I'd have to like put way more misogyny in if I wanted to do that. I mean, I I've never met people who who really it seems to me like fans of DCC never feel like it's that grueling. Like they always seem to love the kind of bizarro uh the the bizarro nature of the funnel and the the magic system and stuff like that whereas i think they just kind of view it as like part of the fun right like they for them that's part of the enjoyment they get out of it what do you think heilig i i would agree that in this the enjoyment that there is mystery to it and that the you know you might cast a spell and what worked last session has a completely different result than the next session that nothing is guaranteed In, in because OSR. every spell has its own weird table in DCC, right? You just like you really don't know how it's going to work, right? You you have no idea, so it could it could backfire, it could blow up in your face. Uh, I think it's great, and that it, you know, just uh, it, what I also really like about DCC is I have memorable characters where I actually I've had characters die, and then felt you know genuine like kind of remorse at their passing, uh, and then and then like you know even years later looking back and, and just kind of smiling and thinking fondly of, of those characters. Whereas in other games, you know, I don't maybe get as personally attached, you know, because I feel like in DCC or like the OSR games, like your character is just, it's almost kind of like they're like a Joe blow moving through society. You know, they got a little bit of, they got a little bit of power in them. Maybe they got a little grit and uh, it's really just pressing your luck and seeing how, how far you can, you can take it. There's a real high high and a low low in DCC. Like the you can do these amazing things if you roll really well, but you're most likely going to be not lo- rolling that well. And then if you don't roll really not well, you, 
things are shit's going to happen to your character that is is irreversible and sort of demented and twisted. So like there's just this like whole swath that you know, I'm not a, a high fantasy person. I find high fantasy to kind of be a little like just kind of turn offy, but like DCC while it can be high fantasy is most likely you're like you're trying to dig this ditch a little further forward <laughs> kind of thing. So that's what I like about it. Nice. Nice. Well, I feel like that's a good meeting of the minds. Um, let's uh, talk about GM prep. Uh, you know, who wants to start? Who wants to lead it off? Who has thoughts on what it is that goes into your craft? Just kind of tell us about like how it is that you approach like maybe a campaign and maybe kind of differentiate that a little bit from how you approach a session. Who wants to start? I'll, I'll start with just my, because I've had the pleasure, gentlemen, of, of playing in multiple Brendan games and multiple Adam games. And so, you know, first of most of the time, you know, you guys are pretty good track record and I'm, I'm generally pleased uh, with, with the, uh, the product that you, that you turn out on, on any given session. I imagine, and, I, and this might be like an interesting way to, to kind of gauge that you probably spend, uh, I would say like at least, you know, 90 minutes of uh, session prep, you know, be- before, before any given session. If, if, I had to, if I had to make a guess without any kind of prior knowledge or anything like that, I don't know if I'm close to the mark. What, still? Like, like now? Yeah. Oh, no. Now I don't put in that much. I'm not <laughs> so was it was it different back in uh, you know the, the late 90s uh, oh the, yeah the <laughs> back in the 90s when i was like a uh like a you know a student basically and uh like i i, I really i wasn't i was never all that interested in college i was kind of there because i felt like i had to be and um whenever the professor would start talking i'd have my notebooks open but like at one page i kept for writing notes and the other page next to me i kept for writing role-playing shit and uh, even into the into like as late as 2010, I would uh, spend hours a week in GM prep. Like I would, like if I was running Pathfinder or Vampire, I would try to work on the game an hour a day. So I'd put in maybe like five hours of work for a session that would be three to five hours long on the weekend, right? Five six hours of work. But then after I came back to Phoenix. I had somehow lost my discipline for that, and I've been very scattered ever since then. I've never really had that focus where I can sit down and just like really grind through a campaign and build the elaborate story structures and like the crazy in-depth like characters that I used to. And so, starting in like 2015, I just went to complete shorthand fucking uh, RPG session and campaign writing, where like I will write an outline. And oftentimes I'll write an outline like 30 minutes before the session starts. I'll just, I, at this point I write over the, I, I take a sheet of paper and I write agenda and then I write a series of bullet points. And then that's what I, what I use to play the game. That's kind of what I do. I do beats. Like these are the beats I want to hit. Like, okay, hit the streets. I want to, I want to see, uh, you know, Wraith, I want to, I want to see this from Wraith. I want to see, you know, or, or just even like these, these are the next story parts like robots or whatever, just like one word to sentence worth of like, okay, because you, especially with the story games I like to play, you never know where things are going to go, but 
you, su- you st- still need an agenda. So like, or beats is, uh, you know, I like to just kind of like lay some stuff out and then, okay, if none of that gets hit, I spent exactly, you know, half an hour probably talking about it to Daryl and then another half an hour <laughs> laying it out on a piece of paper. So, <laughs> yeah, before I start, I like to rough in NPCs that I think the players are likely to interact with and maybe some settings, but I don't get too off the rails into detail anymore. I used to, but, um, and then once I had that, I'll also have kind of this back catalog of um, characters I can slot in, for lack of a better word, if I need to. And then that kind of gives me a toolkit that I can pull from when I'm actually running the game. It's hard for me to really say how long I spend prepping anymore because I kind of have the Dale Cooper method of I've got like a little notepad and voice recorder or whatever that I'll throw notes into as I think of them. I definitely don't do that thing anymore where I just kind of buckle down and I you know, claw hand over a keyboard and I spend two hours or whatever banging out notes for a session. Right. Those are the, those are the good old days, right? Yeah. Who has time for that and who enjoys that anymore? I sure don't. I mean, I used to love that shit. It was so fucking fun for a long time. And, the, and then I just got this, I, I hit this wall where I was like, like every couple of years I am writing enough words to be a novel that mm. literally no one is ever going to read, you know? Right. And, and and you end up having these huge uh, binders full of information about NPCs and locations and the secret history of the ruins outside the city. And they never even go to the ruins. They don't even go there. They don't even learn that they exist. There's this whole like elaborate, like in-depth headcanon that's going on in your head. And you're like sitting there and you're like, Oh, someday when they encounter this, they're going to be so surprised. And then they never do. You know, I mean, like somebody gets mad at somebody else for not chipping in for pizza and then the game falls apart and then you never even get to go to the ruins. (laughs) So it's like there was just something kind of defeating about that. And I started being like, well, let me see if I can go to the other end of the spectrum and how little work can I put into this? And, um, Honestly, I think my role playing has suffered for it, but I mean, we can get into that a little bit later. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of that whole thing, though, when you're playing like a game, I don't know, when you're playing one of these big open world type of games, like I'm playing Witcher 3 right now, there's a bunch of shit in that game I'll never interact with that somebody put time into and wrote and developed and, and I'll never see it, you know, and I imagine there's probably a similar level of frustration there. I think that's just kind of systemic. It, like like it's part of the experience or the platform or of creating that type of game. Sure, sure. And I will say though that I mean here's the here's a here's a question. I I don't know that the games that I spent all that time raking over the coals. I don't know that they were that much better. Like I I I'll pretty much guarantee that they were better than some of the shit that I've been running lately because. Mm-hmm. In the last few years, I feel like <clears throat> ever since Out of the Abyss, and we started this podcast with me blathering about my Out of the Abyss campaign. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I've had a fucking like Magnus Opus level campaign in in, in five years. Like, everything just feels kind of like, um, like watching reruns of Gilgan's Island. Like, it's not, it's just, it, I mean, it's fine, but it's not what I want it to be, you know? Right. Um, and uh, and the thing is, is if I put in that time, would those games be that good? 
Or do I just not run games that good anymore? You know what I'm saying? Because it's a lot of work, dude. You start talking like five, six hours a week plus the game session. You know, you're looking at maybe like, you know, a, a little bit under 10 hours a week dedicated to a game. I mean, is that a good trade? You know? Well, yeah, that's a tough question. It's hard to answer that one. I, I don't know. I, I used to love the prep and the world building and all that stuff. But, you know, to your point, it's like, I don't, as I got older and I just had less time, it was one of those things where it's like, I'm not going to do that anymore. I just, I don't, and I don't really know if my games have suffered for it or not. But then again, like the game I'm running now is basically a rerun of Transylvania Chronicles, which I've run before, you know, and I'm probably benefiting from a lot of the time and effort I put into that campaign as part of this campaign. I mean, there's definitely some recycling that goes on, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, plus, uh, our skill sets get better. And I'll say straight up that I role played. I've role played with you a couple of times in the last uh, couple of years, just little one shots. And I hadn't really role played with you for about I don't know five six years before that, and then before that it was another five six seven years. And what you do now is, I think the best stuff that you've ever done. Like, I think that your style of communicating the ideas and your use of language and the portrayal of the characters and the description of the situations, I think it's better than when we were in high school. It's better than when we were in college. It's, I, think it's, I think you're doing your best shit. But uh, I think that maybe that's because, you know, you're so much more skilled than you were back then. You just learned what works and you've learned what doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, don't think it, I don't even know that For it has sure, anything to do right. with the prep at all. I think that's definitely a thing as, as you can, and thank you. But as you get more experience, you are able to kind of move forward more confidently, uh, which I think is why a lot of people do want to start out running modules. They do want to start out running books. Somebody else has written because there's a certain safety there, right? It's if the players hate this, I didn't write it. Right. Uh, and if I need help, I've got this whole big thing already ready for me. Um, and there's, there's a lot of good there. Like I am a fan of modules for, for that reason. I think they really do help people kind of find their legs. Uh, I can attest to that as being a basically just module type guy, uh, recently running. Uh, I would, I wouldn't feel comfortable being a new, a new GM and just making up a bunch of stuff, you know, on the fly or trying to create like a, like a whole universe or you know, world ecosystem. So uh, this is, it's a good way to get your get your feet wet and and uh, build up some some initial confidence, I would say, uh, before trying to spread your wings and fly, so to speak. There there, you know, everybody has to start from a different place. But I, I think like the module, a lot of times you can kind of get stuck in the module. But a lot of this comes back to the expectations from the prep like you learn over time that like all this prep, you know, like talking about the ruins outside the city or like NPCs or whatever, it's really difficult to sometimes get the, the story you're telling to curve around into those things. And then you're like, well, you're never going to see it. So oh, this is amazing. Like my friend, uh, Mike, who is bit was kind of my longest running vampire, the masquerade second edition, uh, guy he he had these like secrets that he would like tantalize he would prep these secrets that that would like j you couldn't you didn't know it you couldn't 
it was just like at your fingertips. You couldn't get there. And, and we have, we have like tried to corner him and be like, Hey, can you like, just put your notes that we probably won't understand? Like if you pass away, just like send us your notes. Cause we wanted to know these things, but we were never going to get there. I think that that is interesting because it pulls people along into this continuous story, but it also kind of like these amazing things that if people don't know them, then you can't like go, you, you never get that like climactic scene, those situations, you never see that stuff. And that's the whole like problem with expectations and prepping something that you're never going to see. Like a lot of times I'll just prep a list of 50 names, a list of, of places and like the story beats and like we've got the framework of the game and we're going to go and like you encounter somebody. Okay. I'm going to pick a name. Uh, they are this person now. And if you ever, we ever encounter or need, need that person again, here we go. So we can bring that back. So I'm, I'm doing prep on the fly. That's kind of what the, my style is now. It's like, okay, a little bit up front, and then just prep for the rest of the time. Just, all right. What? Oh, we need that gang member again. Okay, we got the gang member. You know. I, I think that Richard brings up a great point here, which is that um, one of the if you want to do yourself some favors as a GM, the th- the some of the best shortcuts you can make for yourself is to have a list of names on the side, and then have a list of names for certain other things, right? Like, so you're not just because because your brain when if somebody throws something at you and they're like oh I want to go to a CD hotel what's the name of the CD hotel I go to and then you you don't want to sit there and sputter right and you also don't want to just kind of lamely regurgitate something you saw in a movie which mm-hmm. you know I think we kind of all did when we were teenagers I know I made plenty of hay out of that but like for some there's something that feels very inauthentic about that now so I do something similar to Richard, which is I keep uh, I keep a, a number of names. I don't keep 50. I just have a number of names that I think uh, uh, are enough to get me through the session. So usually it's like half dozen. And then I'll make some names because usually I run kind of like street level noirish type shit. I'll have like some names of gangs and like some names of or, or some some locations. I really like to, to sketch a couple of locations uh, that are a little bit different than what I would just sort of knee jerk do. And this to me is like incredibly important when you're running a compelling game is like, you should have stuff that isn't immediately recognizable as having been lifted from a movie, but also reflects a breadth of knowledge that extends past wherever it is that you live, you know? So I think it's important as GMs that we should go out and we should do some traveling and we should go to other cities and when we are there, we should observe them. And I'm not, uh, this is going to sound super lame, like, Brendan, what have you done with your life? But, like, ever since I was in my early 20s, when I would go to a new city, half of what I'd be doing when I'm sitting in the cab, rolling from location to location, is I'm thinking about, like, how does this city make me feel? What is it that I'm seeing? What do the people around here look like? What are their daily lives like? In a way that I can then you know, communicate to my friends at the table because if somebody like we're, we're from fucking Phoenix, you know, I've lived my Phoenix, my whole fucking life. This place is a goddamn desert of culture. It's like, if you guys are like, Oh, we want to go to a fucking restaurant to hash out a plan. I go, yeah, you go to five guys. 
You go to <laughs> you go to fucking Denny's. You know what I'm saying? Like like your game should reflect a reality that exists beyond just like the kind of bullshit that is like in front of your face all day. And you have a responsibility as a GM to seek it out. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Like the the thing about Phoenix is you I mean, it depends on what kind of game you're playing, but you you end up with the mom and pop uh taco shop, which I should have had a name picked out but like los dos molinos you know you go you go to like a mexican restaurant but yes it's not a it's not a pretty city it's not a great it's not one of these great cultural cities but there are places to go but like yes observing the world and reflecting that back upon your game is i think an amazing tip and i i love that so i mean look at uh look at breaking bad right Breaking Bad takes place in Albuquerque, which the three Fuck. of us, me, me, RB, me, RBK, and Nat, we were just there like a year and a half ago or something. Yeah. That place is a skid mark. But like, <laughs> that's like an incredibly compelling story that takes place and is told in a very rich and characterful way because of its surroundings. You know, so there's stuff that's in Breaking Bad that, that you couldn't have in that show if it was anywhere other than Albuquerque. And that that shit's important. What was the uh, the Uber our Uber driver said? What was it? Uh, the land of entrapment. <laughs> land of entrapment. That was the yeah. which I kind of think that would be an amazing game name, like the land of entrapment, uh, like a street level drug yeah. based on kind of Breaking Bad idea, like the land of entrapment is just like that. Could have been called the land of food poisoning. <laughs> well, that too. But, <laughs> but hey, hey, Mark, Mark Diaz Truman, if you're listening to this, uh, play set for uh, um, the Narcos game, man. Cartel. For uh, sure. Land of entrapment. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Make it happen. RBK. RBK. RBK wants to do it. I would work on that. Yeah, for sure. I'm very cheap, by the way. So. <laughs> um. So. Uh, uh. So you know, Richard had had a good tip. I kind of ponied off of that one. Uh, High legs. Kind of talking about the modules, which I also agree with. Um. I I have more to say about that. We'll see if I get to it. Uh. High leg Adam. More tips. You guys got more tips. You guys got guys more more insights, more ideas. Hit us up. I think you got to have fun with the NPCs. You know, there's they're, they're, there's they all have to have like a, a unique kind of quirk, uh, you know, or or a reflection of yourself, perhaps. Uh, you know, you know, played out to an extreme. I think makes for makes for great fun and 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 player enjoyment. Hopefully, uh, people will be yeah, willing to, to need, interact with those. They need motivation. Like, if your NPC doesn't have any motivation other than to oppose the characters, that becomes pretty clear pretty quick. They need to have goals and they need to have a reason for doing what they're doing uh, outside of the framework of the player characters. Well, I mean, are you talking about like a major antagonist, Adam? Or are you talking about just like a character that like you have to breathe some life into real quick because the players suddenly just said, well, well we need to. Go I would say this. antagonist. I mean, it helps if you can give your world some air, right? Like put some air into its lungs. But your antagonists need to have a raison d'etre that isn't focused on the characters. Um, and that's kind of the the biggest tip that I would give new GMs, you know, cause it's way too easy to just be like, this guy's the bad guy and he's doing bad stuff. And the players have stopped him and they're naturally going to butt heads. It's like, he, well, he, no one sets out to become the villain. Um, everybody has a reason for doing what they're doing. And if you can kind of explore that, it'll, it'll help you a little bit. Solid. 
So, 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 hi, hi, like, how do you go about um, framing some of those like character full personas? Well, you know, I have to say that you know, running the module, I, I constantly felt like as I was engaged in in the midst of the game, this wasn't pre-planning. You know, I, I remember reading like kind of like the the general motivations. And then I just ended up taking sometimes just a completely different angle with it, um, with some of these NPCs, and and I and I just told myself, you know what, these guys don't fucking know, you know, like I'm <laughs> I'm running the show, they don't yeah. know, like so like yeah. a, and and there are times like afterwards where I'm like, you know, I I might have ran that incorrectly based on what the what the book told me to do, but I think as long as people were laughing and having fun, then it, it couldn't have been that bad. So, uh, you know. I as, use the modules as far as like the skeleton or the or the the framework, but but I enjoy kind of sprucing them up or, or modifying them with my own my own take. As as a GM, have you encountered the spot yet where you get to the module and it tells you to do something and you're just like, well, that's just fucking dumb. I'm not doing that. There's uh, no, I mean, there's a couple times where yeah, I've, I've I've gotten to that spot, but then I'll I might tweak it a bit. Or or nerf it, um, or even maybe potentially give them an opportunity to to bypass it, uh, um, if depending on how how they uh, they play the scene. Because I think that this kind of links to both what you and Adam are saying is that um, sometimes I see these. Uh, and it's funny because Adam goes, "Oh, as a as a beginning GM, you need to like remember that your characters have motivations." But what's funny is that sometimes I feel like you buy a module off the shelf, and the dude that wrote that, who's like should be as part of like an RPG career and have played like a billion games and stuff like they forgot that, you know, <laughs> like, like, uh, if you, uh, read the very first modules that came out for, uh, D and D five, um, the dragon ones, like explain to me what any of the, of the, uh, fucking NPCs, the, the antagonistic NPCs in that, um, adventure are doing other than just being like, foils for the for the pcs they're just they're just they're doing evil stuff just to do evil stuff they don't really have goals the way that the adventure itself is structured uh presumes that the pcs want to oppose the npcs and that they're going to be successful and um the reactions of the npcs are just boggling they don't make any sense if you're just like a person who you're like thinking about again like i was saying motivation you know what i'm saying being dogmatic to your prep or a module is a bad idea. Just straight up, like, you know, you need to let the table flow and don't try and, like, hold everybody to this module or the, the or your prep to a point. Obviously, they're yes and to a point, you know, no but. But you, you have to, like, if you don't, if you let those things tell you exactly what to do when clearly, you know, you should loosen up and maybe have a little more fun yourself because especially because sometimes those modules like what you're saying don't lead you to fun for even the gm like it's kind of like oh this is kind of lame or uh, what was i thinking when i wrote this at two in the morning while i was uh have you have any of you guys done that where you like wrote like when you were in your in the depths of your like big planning and you write some like super twist that like sounds like super rad and then you get to play it and the whole table is just looking at you and they're like, what the fuck was that? You just ruined the game. Has that ever happened to you guys yet? No, no, that's never, that's never happened to me. Oh, <laughs> Come on, Adam. 
<laughs> yeah, my stuff is gold all the time. It's really good. I think I'm still uh, waiting for my chair to get popped on the, on that particular. I haven't been running <laughs> enough. I probably I probably ran like maybe you know six eight sessions so far. And uh, but I you know well, I'm you, still new, Jack. Yeah, well, there's nothing worse than when you put a lot of time and effort into something and it and it like doesn't land. And then there's nothing weirder than when something lands that you didn't expect to land. <laughs> That's definitely something that will happen as you run games. There will come a point where one or both of those things will happen to you. So I guess just I want to make my last point about the module thing, which we've kind of talked about, like using it as like the springboard, and then um, also we've talked a little bit about the potential for it to be restricting. I, I I really have to agree in a certain sense with what Ben said kind of early on, which was when you're new, the module helps you because it's almost kind of like a um, almost like a paint by numbers. You know what I'm saying? So you don't have to sit there in front of a blank canvas and be like, oh, well, I don't know what I'm even going to paint. Am I going to paint like an animal? Am I going to paint a landscape? Am I going to paint a portrait? I don't even know, right? Like there's the paint my numbers is in front of you. And then it gives you this opportunity to kind of like, you know, start the more confident you become, the more you can riff. And I will say that one of the things I did early on in my GMing career was I was just kind of like I started making up all my own shit all the time, right? And I, I viewed... I, I had kind of a gatekeeper way of looking at it where I was like, oh, fucking modules are for fucking pussies, right? That was kind of like my idea. And it wasn't until I started running modules that I really realized how they can tighten up your game and focus you on what it is that you're doing. And I feel like the biggest iterations in my growth as a GM came from making that jump from just completely like spinning everything whole cloth to running uh, tight focused modules and city books, you know? So I see it both ways. Both, both, both are good. Um, we're getting kind of towards the end. Am I right? RBK? Yes, sir. All right. So why don't we uh, just real quick do like a little bit of a lightning round and we'll just kind of like, if there's anything that you feel like someone should uh, fucking have as a as a tip just spit out your last tips and then we'll uh and then we'll wrap it up so uh Heilig, you're the guest lead off let rapid fire tips uh don't be afraid to have your npc show vulnerability i i i took a weird stance with a with a with some npcs and the they ended up you know completing this one adventure and uh basically giving uh like a very valuable piece of treasure to this uh innkeeper uh, because they just felt bad for him. I was genuinely shocked uh, that you know they arrived at that conclusion. So sometimes you know, you know, killing them with kindness is uh, is the way to go. I was, it was just weird experiments in in human behavior. Really, uh, treat it like a you know, I guess a sociologist, so to speak. <laughs> I totally did that to Adam's character and hit the streets. So. <laughs> I, I feel that I, I feel like that kind of makes goes back to a point I was saying in the last episode, which is when you're going to be a GM, one of your qualities has to be that you have to like you have to wear all these different hats at the same time. And they're not all just like like I'm a voice actor. It's like part of it is I understand how societies function. Right. Exactly. And and why people could become, uh, you know, jaded or make this series of bad decisions you know that that led him down a certain path awesome awesome uh rbk 
Rapid fire. Steal and file the numbers off. But when you do file the numbers off, you're making it your own. Don't just copy and file the numbers off. Like, you see a scene, you see an idea, you love it, a bad guy, whatever. When you, you steal them, you file the numbers off, but you're making them your own when you file the numbers off. Use other people as your writer's room. Fantastic. That's the other part of that. It's just like, run it by somebody else before, other than the players and see if they uh, see if they they bite. And if they do, you're good to go. Solid. I dig that. I dig that. that speaking of which, I need to talk to you about something before I play Esoteric Enterprises again. Right. Uh, Adam, final thoughts. Rapid fire. Have fun with it. If you're miserable, your players are going to know, and they're probably not going to have fun. Um, <laughs> you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be like an anxiety-ridden mess about it. Uh, just go into it with the right attitude. Enjoy yourself. Realize that like it's not always going to work how you want it to work, and that's okay too. There's some beauty in the chaos there, so you know, enjoy. And you know, opposite of Ben's point, don't forget to also kill them with like lightning bolts and stuff too, not just kindness. <laughs> <laughs> what are the stats on kindness again? I'm not really familiar. Mm, deadly. I, I've <laughs> um, you know, it's a it's a number of caring points, really. Sixty six of kindness. <laughs> to the head that's right <laughs> all right so uh my final thoughts are uh you might think that you have to memorize the book you do not have to memorize the book you need to be able to assist the the players with character creation all right know enough about the character creation system that when your players are asking you how to help make their character you can fucking do it you need to read the combat system and have a pretty decent idea about how it works without any nuance Know how to roll a hit. Know if there's a vain reaction. Know how to take damage. Basically, that's it. If you know those couple things, all that other shit probably isn't going to come up and no one's going to be fucking upset at you if you had to look up grapple. Uh, Know how to make a skill check. This one's like really important. You should really read this one. You should really know this one. Unlike combat, which can kind of like be like vague and nebulous, like skill check you should they're usually pretty easy. It's like usually the smallest part of the whole fucking game. You should know how to do a skill check. And then you're going to fuck a bunch of shit up and people are going to have a bunch of questions about how things work and you just, and you just say to them during the course of the game, you go, oh, I'm just going to put that down in a note. I'm going to research it this week while I'm prepping. And then you can read up on the answers to all the notes that you wrote in the 30 minutes before the next session. All right. That's how I do it. <laughs> um, thank you guys for coming on the show. Thank you to Adam RBK and a very special thank you to my uh, high school chum, Ben Heiligman, uh, now a DDC GM. It's a judge, right? You're a judge or are you a referee? A, a judge, I DCC. suppose. DCC. Did I the say judgment? Wrong? The judgment is, uh, you know, it's swift. You, you were yeah, saying you, to dunk a lot when chronically. It's, it's Do I? Yeah, we it's we know good. what's on your brain. We know I what's wasn't going to correct you, but, uh, but Richard right there. So. Unreal. Unreal. Some people. Oh, man. <laughs> God. <laughs> Thanks, Brendan. You, Thanks for killing his buzz. That's a, that's a very dark oh, elf thing to do. That's right. <laughs> that's I my see job. now where that came. Okay, that so, makes sense. So, are you are you uh, are you a uh, are you a, a judge or a referee, Ben? Uh, I, I'm I don't consider myself a judge. I'm more of a referee. I would say <laughs> referee. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> so, well, thank you for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, uh, especially all of our uh, patrons on Patreon. Thank you so much for your uh, support. 
And thank you to Exalted Funeral. If you need to get at us, we're on the interwebs. You can find us on Instagram, Full Metal RPG on Instagram, Facebook, Full, Full Metal RPG on, uh, on Facebook, and then uh, Full Metal RPG Official at gmail.com. Just go ahead and reach out to us there. Uh, thank you for listening one more time. Have a great night. All right. Fuck the police. Black Lives Matter. Yo, yo. Mike, Mike, yo. What it do, my brother? God ain't cool with how we treat one another. I am somebody. I'm a son. I'm a brother. I'm a father. I'm a nephew. I'm a soldier. I'm a lover. I'm a man. God damn it. Respect my life, and I know who I am. Can't lie to me twice. Educate over hate. Let love be the debate. The future is the state, and the clock is ticking away. The light is shining, the blaze. The truth is taking the stage. Some people been wearing masks before the first open case. We in the streets, let it be known. Wailing like Bob Marley, them revolution. Fist in the sky, make it strong. Another team waiting for work to get it on. Black and white, locking arms, yellow, tan, brown palms. You can tell something different, it just feels like a storm.